Welcome to the Black Tower Titties. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, just, just a little bit of push up and together, and it makes them look like two cup sizes bigger. No, but welcome to the Black Tower Podcast, everyone. <laughs> a Wheel of Time podcast. We are your hosts. I am your Amin Khan Mahail, Daniel, and we are here to pour taint down your gullets until you don't want no more taint no more. But when you say, please, no, no more taint. I cannot take any more of the taint. We will give you more of the taint. You will take all of the taint. You will bring the taint into yourselves until you are a personification of the taint. Also, I'm Josh. You're sort of on the hill. Thank you for joining us this evening. <laughs> or morning. <laughs> yeah, and um, I don't have anything witty because my eye just blinked mentally. <laughs> Um, I am your quick run away while you can, uh, Mahale. You're Pajan Mahale, Andrew. <coughs> so you're the Monty Python Mahale. Run away! Run away! Run away! <laughs> Three Ooh. is the number you should speak. Four, you should not speak. Two, you should not speak except as proceeding immediately to three. Indeed. I agree. We must fight. Right we must out. fight to run away. Indeed. So, now that the people know who we are and that we're insane, uh, you all should go over to blacktowerpod.com. That's where you're going to get all of your taint all up in your eye holes. It's going to give you where to find more taint for your ear holes and more taint for your eye holes and more taint that you can talk about with your friends on a Discord server and all of the different things, as well as our calendar of events, which will tell you all of the times that you need to be available to have taint entered into your body holes. Yes, all of your holes, all of your body holes will be tainted. Every pore of your body will get taint. All of them. You will be, it will basically be like you are a lane, but instead of baths, it's taint. Ooh. I'm both, <laughs> mark me down as scared and horny. <laughs> uh but enough about that uh no black tower pod is the perfect place to go ahead and find all of our stuff uh as much as you want to find all of our social medias all of that good stuff connect with us as much as you see fit um and you can also from there get the link to the lovely little chibi at the bottom who is wearing an indiana jones hat and looks like she's rock hounding probably because she is and then pop over to thecrystalbarista.com or facebook.com slash rockpick. Uh, you can get all of your crystal and shiny rock and clack clack rock and an entire new rock shop worth of rocks needs uh, over there at thecrystalbarista.com. And once you're done with that, it's true. Where do they go after that, Andrew? After that. Mosey on over to thegreatblight.com where you can find a fantastic list of all different sorts of Willow Time content creators as well 
as an ever-evolving, spoiler-friendly wiki. So if you're reading your way through the Wheel of Time series, you can stop at whatever book you are currently uh, or you have currently finished. Um, or you can just read all the spoilers if you want to, if you don't care about that kind of stuff. And after that, after you find some other amazing content creators that you love, besides us, because, you know, you love us. Um, well, we've over to new creations. you went to there from us. So, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, head on over to new creations by, by gen.com to check out some Wheel of Time inspired merch, both series, show, and Wheel of Time content creators inspired merch, where you can get your frosty mugs, just like the ones we have for us. So yeah, Wait, do those things. Was that was that uh, the new creations by Jen? Just by Jen. <laughs> but but I, I see what you did there. Yes. And if you find yourself losing or lacking some energy to get all of this done, make sure you check down in the show notes uh, and description for our discount link for W Energy Supplement. Uh, you can also use code B. Yeah, you can also use code BTP, that is Bravo Tango Papa, for 10% off your W order. Uh, they are seeing a large uptick in orders. So in between that and shipping issues uh, for some ingredients, don't be surprised if some of the stuff is on pre-order uh, due to shipping concerns. But, you know, these are the Rona times that try our supply chains. So It is. It is. We're semi-used to it. We're, we're back in we went we've gone back in time is essentially what's happened it's back in back to the times when you ordered something online and it took a couple weeks to get there which is why online shopping was not a big thing back in the 80s and 90s well back in the 80s it wasn't a big thing because well it didn't exist but in the 90s when aol started picking up and people started buying shit online and in the early 2000s, it was just, I'm starting to sound old. Someone shut me up. Yep. Send, you uh, send your orders in via Morse code, and the steamboats will start paddling away uh, across the Atlantic or Pacific to pick up your wares. Yes. In Maybe smoke the, signals. Ooh, no smoke signals. You know what's actually good. really shutting Josh up? Peach pie. It's good stuff. It's good <laughs> stuff. It's good stuff. For those of you who are interested in what Josh is drinking tonight, because it is very interesting, and you didn't see him pour it in his cup, he is drinking a concoction that he has dubbed the Peach Pie Shot, which isn't actually a shot, but is a whole plastic cup of it. However, that is what he's calling it. Uh, it and is. It's really, it sounds really good. It is one part Fireball. fireball one part peach schnapps nope. and peach crown. Peach crown. Sorry, yes, correct. Peach crown. Peach crown royal. And then two or three parts uh, cream soda. I just used a can. Sure. To taste. So, cream soda to taste. There we go. Cream soda to taste. I like it. But you didn't come here to hear us talk about drinks. Um... You kind of did because we're the Black Tower podcast and we talk about drinks a lot. But you definitely didn't hear sometimes for twenty three to... minutes. <laughs> you definitely <laughs> didn't come here to hear us talk about that. 
tonight. Uh, we mm-hmm. will at some point again, I am sure, talk about, you know, IPAs for 25 minutes or 23 minutes. <laughs> However, tonight is not that night. But before we talk about what we are talking about tonight, <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> can you hit these people with a bat? I mean, a spoiler. Uh, no, because that is a criminal offense. <laughs> not and... if you do it to everyone at once and through their ear holes. It's only the day if Welcome you do to the it. Black Tower, a real time podcast. All right, let's check this one. This podcast episode will likely be spoiling all the books in the series, but if Daniel is in charge you. of the recording, it'll never hit the editing bay. So just in case you're some masochist <laughs> Patreon supporter who hasn't read the whole series and just gets off on being part of lost episodes, how about you put that spoiler condom all the way on? Bless you, Josh. Wise and also bless from, you, from the Sexy Morchati. Indeed. We are blessed with the wisdom <laughs> of Morchati. Indeed. Morchati? Right, well, what? Morchati! Morchati! You mean you know, m- more TT? What? Is it, am I the only one that like I, I love the initial taste of chai tea, but the aftertaste is like just weird? Maybe I've just had bad chai tea. Maybe. Yes. Probably. You know, the initial flavor profile is quite nice, but the residue it leaves in my mouth, not so great. Uh, Daniel, what are what are we discussing tonight? Old Deerbeard, that is that might be one of the best memes I have ever seen in my entire life. No, so, to be fair, to be fair, <laughs> I do like memes that are based on us. Anyway, so tonight we are going ahead and talking about the good, which becomes the bad, which becomes the ugly. Wait, no, scratch that. Reverse it. Uh, we are talking about the ugly that becomes the bad that becomes the good. We are talking about silver linings in the Wheel of Time. Uh, now, that be- basically means things that start off looking really bad and seem to have no good reason behind them, seem to be sort of pointless and just horrific just for the sake of being bad. Um, and yet lead to some of the best storylines or some of the best redemptions or some of the the best things later on because the person maybe didn't need to go through it quite that way, but they did need some kind of catalyst to put them on the right path to success. Um, So I am going first because I came up with this topic uh, and because I came up with this topic, I'm telling the other guys what it is basically for the first time and giving an example so that they actually have some time to think about what they think are good examples of that or their favorite examples of that or whatever. Um, oh, it's it's but, already there. I'm just, I, I got to narrow it down and, and choose one. Right, right, perfect. Josh? Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, that's, yeah totally. that's great. Yeah, ex- exactly. Totally. That's what I was looking for. So I got it. So I have a couple of examples uh, and I will go with one. And if my other one gets stolen, I will come up with a new one. But my my first example of something that happens that is seemingly just horrendous and then ends up being one of the coolest things that happens is Swan Sanche being deposed as Amerlin 
and stilled. This, when it happens in the books, is horrible. It really just shakes everything that Suan and Liana have been working on, as well as their faith in the Aes Sedai, as well as their ability <laughs> to act on their surroundings nearly as well as they have in the past. Um, it also gives them a lot of, you know, <laughs> problems very immediately in the we need to come up with something that will keep us alive situation because again as we have talked about many times on this show aftercare is paramount <laughs> to gentling or stilling and they need to figure out their own aftercare because they leave the place where granted again the sisters are not great at aftercare, though they're better for sisters than they are for gentle men, let's be honest. So they leave like the one place where anyone would understand them and go to another place that's in the middle of trying to figure out what in the fuck they're going to do. <laughs> and so this, you know, leads them to going ahead and getting healed uh, by Nynaeve, um, and both finding their feet very much as non-channelers, which is actually really fun to watch, especially in the case of Liana. Um, I, I think she actually has a, a really fascinating arc, though Suan also does end up having uh, some really cool things that she does and learns and figures out being a woman who can no longer channel. Um, and it ad ends up leading them back to being some of the coolest, most well-rounded sisters because they actually had to find their way sort of through the dark of being stilled uh, to the point where they are way more capable, maybe not way more capable, not insignificantly more capable than they were when they were actually just relying on the fact that they were Aes Sedai, the fact that they could channel, and the fact that they were part of the White Tower uh, for so much of their lives they actually become more intentional people. And I actually really like very, very much the sort of uh, character arc of Suan Sanche uh, as being almost insufferable when she's first introduced and then becoming one of the coolest characters later on in the series. So that is my... I, my I like that example one. of the Silver Linings Watt book. I, I like that one a lot because and I'm I'm and I know we're we're you know primarily focused on books, but the TV show is a thing now. So right. I'm gonna draw comparisons from there as well. But I like that because Swan in the TV show and in the books is introduced right off the bat as a no-nonsense queen of all the bad bitches. Like you do not mess with Swan. And unless you're Moraine. <laughs> she waits for only one woman and it's not you Woo! what a flex <laughs> no um which makes it even more shocking when elida is able to pull that off like what the hell just happened like it's amazing um no that's a good one because the most character progression we get from suan is during her time of stilling. 
um that's where she literally relearns everything she has to relearn her entire existence because she's no longer Amrilin. she's no longer one of the most powerful channelers she's just another schmo on the street and even even matt cawthon doesn't recognize her like matt was like hey what's up sexy young lady would you like to dance and she's like matt i am like 150 years old go away and he's like ah, ah, and he runs. i know that voice <laughs> but no that's that's a good one that's a really great example and at least Thanks to uh one of the thoughts that i had so wonderful but andrew you go ahead and comment on that situation it's good (laughs) (laughs) thank you andrew Uh, as always a real treat (laughs) i mean i I like it too because it it lets us see like what happens to eyes and i that are forced to find power without the one power um which it seems to be one of the main driving factors that because of this innate power that they hold that uh, the vast majority of people don't in the world, that it's given rise to this almost divine right to rule style mentality. You know, we're in a position of power because we have power and, you know, we're from the White Tower. We're here to help. And everybody's like, oh, God, no. Or, oh, creator, no. <laughs> That's not right. what I want to hear. We're from the um, government. We're here to help. Fuck! <laughs> yeah. I mean, and so to see that kind of innate power, that kind of innate influence that they've lived with for, for decades now kind of suddenly ripped away and they have to basically rebuild themselves from the ground up, um, which in reality is just like kind of, picking up from when they figured out they could channel and starting over again much much later on down the road uh we get to see that both like suan and uh, leanne have serious powers and abilities uh and are very much capable in their own right without the one power so i think it does wonders to just demonstrate that people can be incredibly influential and effective without you know being born into this kind of mystical uh realm of being able to use magic well and i think part of my favorite part about that storyline is their rediscovery because they both had it all along both of them just i mean liana with her for better or for worse sort of her feminine wiles and her absolute innate just empathy and understanding of other human beings um and suan with being one of the greatest spy masters the world has ever fucking seen like both of them had that all along it's not like they ever had it were in a situation where they couldn't have used that they just didn't because they had access to this other thing and again, we're part of, you know, the government. We're here to help. Like, they they didn't need to use it at all. They walked into a town, and the town immediately gave them whatever they wanted for the most part because they were from the White Tower. They didn't have to sit there and figure out, okay, well, how do I go around the governor of this 
this city? How do I go around the king of this city? How do I put spies in place to tell me exactly what's going on so that I can blackmail the right people? How can I uh, seduce this person to go ahead and give me what I want so that I can actually get to this person who's then going to help me get to this person because I understand the connections between all of these people so inherently and so well that I can get whatever I want by pulling the right strings. And, and I love how both of those were underutilized by a huge margin when they were channelers. And then it just like blossoms into this wonderful thing that they are just powerful women, period. It doesn't matter that they can't use the power. They are powerful women and they realize that and the reader realizes that and, you know, the all of Saladar fucking realizes that. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, I mean, one of the, the things end, the eyes that I do. also have the power, they're just mm. like, beautiful. Sorry, Andrew, you, you were again. Uh, so one of the things the eyes that I do is they instill this kind of doctrine of you are eyes that I first, like wherever you're from, whatever you used to be, you're no longer that. You're an eyes that I uh, the tower belongs to you, but actually you belong to the tower um, and all it's that kind of stuff. So it, it does a lot like, <clears throat> I mean, this is a thing that like uh, most most nations, if not every nation's military does uh, for them, because that's the only experience I can speak from. Uh, you know, when I went into basic, we got the whole speech like we don't care if you came from the poorest trailer park, if you were slinging fucking dope on the sidewalks. We don't care where you came from and what you did. You're no longer that. We're going to break you down and make you exactly what we think you need to be. And either you're going to do it or you're going to get out. Um, and the, the eyes that I do much is it's, I make it sound far more brutal than it is. It's not that brutal, yeah. at least for us. Probably is in other countries, but it's not not for the U.S. <laughs> military. Um, well, but there's this, uh, this undenying sense of like getting rid of what you were for a sense and a purpose of a greater good. And that sticks yeah. around so much and it gets so ingrained in the, in the minds of the Aes Sedai that when they get to a rank or a station where they can go out and actually affect change in the world, it's, I'm an Aes Sedai. Uh, you know, Liana doesn't think of herself as Domani anymore. She thinks of herself as an Aes Sedai. And that's part of um, what's so relieving about her story of her being uh, stilled and everything is she hits a point where she's like, you know what? I can actually be all the things I never got a chance to be. And she does. And she's fucking good. And she smiles and she's happy and she loves it. And then ultimately and they're like, cool. Now I'm going to pick the green Aja instead. <laughs> uh, there's there's it. too much sexy on this Aes Sedai shawl to deprive the warders of it. So I'm going green <laughs> Aja. And I'm like, you know what? You, do you go, you, girl. Go, get it. Go for it. I'm so too sexy for my shawl. Too sexy for my shawl. Oh, so sexy at all. <laughs> um, which leads me to my it was bad and now it's good moment. Excellent. Swan is healed, but only it, she's only able to channel a fraction of what she's I was able like, where's, where's to the channel bad? before. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, that's the bad right there. She's that was so horrendous. Suan was healed. Healed. She she's like, oh my gosh, everything's great because I got the power back. But then she realizes very quickly that, guess what? 
you're low man on the totem pole. Yeah, you're an Aes Sedai by technicality. Um, don't expect to win any exchanges. Don't expect to have any sort of power or sway in any meeting or gathering of any Aes Sedai because you can channel so little that you're insignificant and we don't care about you. And Swan really has trouble adapting to this, but eventually she learns they are completely disregarding me. I can do whatever I want because I can channel so little that I'm just not worth the effort. And she realizes right then and there that my spy master powers can be kicked into overdrive because of prejudice that's been ingrained in the Aes Sedai for thousands of years. And I love there's even a moment in the books where she goes, I wonder how many of these weak sisters have played me over all the years because <laughs> I just completely looked past them. Yeah, I'm never making oh, that mistake again. It's such a Machiavelli thing. Right? Uh, if, you, if, if you've ever read Machiavelli's The Prince, one, oh, yeah. if you haven't, go and fucking read it like 30 times. It's it's great. It's mind-blowing. And it's hilarious, depending on which perspective you try to read it from. But Suan gets that actual experience of, well, to, rule the, to, to control the valley, you must, you know, rule from the mountain. But to control the mountain to, or to understand the mountain, you must mm -hmm. have lived in the valley. Mm -hmm. And she goes... Through this, you know, we start the series with her at the mountain, rolling over the valley, and the then now she's living peak. in the valley, looking yeah. up at the mountain, and she she realizes these things, and she, uh, much like it seems like a Gwen really came to terms with as well uh, earlier on, uh, a lot because of her mindset and a lot because of her her lived experience, but that the I said die cast system is pretty fucking toxic. <laughs> That I mean, is the, the cultish behavior of sacrificing half your life is apparently fine, but the toxic caste system has got to go, which I, I agree with. The second part, I don't agree with keeping the oath right. I think that's fucking stupid. Nah. I get her rationale, that's but I still think it's a bad episode. Idea. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I think we've talked about that a few times, and I think we're all mostly in agreement that it's like, is it really even helpful anymore? Yeah, I mean, people already don't trust the Aes Anyway, yeah, exactly. different topic. Anyway, but yeah, it's it's really cool because she gets to see, she gets to see what it feels like to be the disregarded person on the bottom, the person that's only, only still there by technicality. Because had she come into the tower at the power she is after healing, she would have maybe barely made it uh, into accepted. And once they realized she can make it no further, she would have been cast out of the tower. <laughs> cast out yeah no it's ah! an embarrassing thing in so many ways that I, I like and I, I really appreciate that that storyline again as well because the people who end up being the leaders of the white tower in some ways um, not for super long, unfortunately, but they make enough of an impact that I think that it does actually ripple out into the ages beyond, um, or at least into the next age minimum, is the uh, 
Egwene and Suwan and a number of the other people who are in charge of the tower, um, whether in name or in just practice, uh, are the people who really do recognize how bad some of their traditions are. And the people who go, yikes, how many women (laughs) have we turned away that could be really strong and awesome for the White Tower? But we've gone, but your power level's not high enough. Go (laughs) fuck yourself. Like, I see Suwon now just being like, oh, fucked up. (laughs) Fucked up. And it's just, it's oh. it's one of the really nice things that that does get realized. Because again, if we're being honest, not all of the White Tower traditions are like that. Some of them are actually intended and in practice very much like we want to keep you safe. We want to keep the tower going. We want to do things right, blah, 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 all of these different things. And they're traditions that they do out of habit because they're the right thing to do. Um, but it, they just do them because of tradition, because nobody thinks about the fact that they're the right thing to do anymore. Now it's just become rote. And then there well, are the for a lot thing. of them, they were born out of necessity, right? Also so true. when you first yeah. start bringing together all the channelers, you got to determine, okay, who actually gets to be the ones that makes decisions? What's the easiest way whenever everybody is from different backgrounds? Yes. Well, your strength determines your your value in the vote. Yeah. Well, and also, like again, when you're bringing them all together, the the different ajas actually being different, like broken up into what they're good at or what they're interested in and everything like that, also makes sense. Until you actually have this aja war in the tower, and now it doesn't make sense anymore because you're like, yeah, but you're all ice and I first, you dumb fucks. Like, <laughs> pretty sure the first omelet was like. Do not divide yourselves into Aja's uh, very next Amarlin. So I'm part of this Aja. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm leaving. And while I'm gone, Hamilton, right? Jefferson, no parties. None. Don't divide the don't divide the country. But yeah, so oh. it's but so many of them again are are just so bad. And you you end up seeing how bad some of them are. Uh or the sisters. The important thing is we see it sort of throughout the books because we see it not from yeah. sisters' perspectives from the get-go. We see it from Country Bumpkins' perspectives <laughs> and they're like, this is dumb. Uh, and then later we actually see that sisters realize its toxicity as well, which is really good. <clears throat> well, it's, it's, it's a bit like the Emperor's New Clothes. Okay? The emperor steps out in front of everybody, butt ass naked, and everybody goes, It's the emperor. And he would not do this. He is very smart, and we trust him. And if he says he's wearing clothes, then some bitch is wearing clothes, and we're good with that. Good. We love your new suit, the emperor. <laughs> And, and that's what the Aes Sedai have been essentially doing for thousands of years now, is they've been saying, oh, yes, emperor, lovely new set of clothes. And they've convinced the rest of the world that Aes Sedai are 
perfect. Well, they think they've convinced the rest of the world that Aes Sedai are perfect. As you get deeper into the story, we learn very quickly that there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, that's cute that you think that, but no. Um, Egwene comes one in and man says... with one speech <laughs> turned an entire city one against desire. you. Um, Egwene that comes was in... such a good fucking line. I loved that monologue so much. That was a good one. Anyway, come, continue. <laughs> Egwene comes in and like 30 seconds goes, wait a minute. You don't actively recruit right <laughs> you're stupid and they're like oh you don't understand <laughs> we don't need to actively and she goes wait a we minute come here they're not totally enough for the turtle club <laughs> right <laughs> and then Egwene goes wait a minute you put women <clears throat> who can channel out of the tower <laughs> and then moan and complain about not having enough women who can channel in the tower and then she goes, wait a minute, the Oathrod cuts our lives in half? Like, there's all these things that she's noticing, and she's like, this well, is lunacy. Well, I feel like with the Oathrod, she's like, hello, when hello sees the Tesseract. That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's, a, you just brought up something that's, that's fascinating about that one, because, again, I do hear the, like, I... <clears throat> I'm going to give the Aes Sedai a lot of credit here for just a moment, because I do think that it's a bad idea to no longer have women who can channel, even if they can only channel a little bit, not connected to the tower. I do think that that's a bad call and that they are fucking up. However, I will also say that you have two choices here as the White Tower, as the ability to channel starts to sort of be weeded out of human beings. And that is, do you lower your standards or do you turn people away? And I don't necessarily agree with in the book and in the world, not lowering your standards, but I can respect that attitude of just because things are changing a little bit doesn't mean that we still don't do things this way because if we lower our standards far enough, then we're not even really sisters anymore kind of thing. Right. Because that is real. There are definitely many institutions who do lower their standards to the point where there are no standards and everything starts to come apart. But at the same time, it is also very much as a as an organization whether you be a company whether you be a club whether you be anything whether you be the ice die you do also need to change with the times and so i definitely don't think they're doing the right thing even though i do have to respect the decision of we will not lower the level at which we accept people because we think that's super important now we need to figure out how to go ahead and accept people into the tower not as sisters or whatever and still keep them attached and going back to sort of why i brought this up the idea that they know about the kin and they know if anybody did any research whatsoever to go and talk to these motherfuckers that they are living twice as long as i Sedai. Like, it would take so little effort to find this out. And the fact that no Aes Sedai are willing to do it, and they're just like, ugh, 
the can is so beyond frustrating. <laughs> Word. It Hard is. agree. Hard agree. Um, so for my example or my my scenario, whatever you want to call it, um, it happens a lot quicker uh, than than these other than the, uh, the previous two scenarios. Fucking English. Uh, <laughs> Rand's uh, blow up at Tam. Ooh. So, I mean, you can argue that it takes like, uh, you know, the entire series up to this point to, to do it because Rand does have to go through these mental blockades and these episodes of denial and depression and PTSD and trauma to get to the I'm super ultra mega emo, no emotion Rand uh, to be in a position to do this. Uh, but his blow up at Tam is in the moment. The fact that he does almost kill his own father is absolutely horrendous. This is a terrible situation. Uh, and I think most people, when they read it, unless they're already so jaded against Rand that they can't humanize him anymore, uh, which I mean, happens. It is what it is. Of course. Um, that it's, it's kind of painful to read. And then whenever you see Rand come to the realization and how he reacts to after, it's just like shit situation after just snowballing shit situation. Except at least this one shit balls uphill. Uh, well, up mountain, up dragon mountain. <laughs> uh, to a point where we finally uh, hear at essentially the last minute in the story uh, that we could wait to get him. Uh, we get Bodhisattva Rand, who is now... Exactly the dragon that the world needs. Right. That this is this is the dragon that if you were living in this world, you wish you had from the start of the story. As you're reading the story, yeah, you don't want him in book one because then he has no character development. He's just boring and it's whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, I really like it. And it turns Rand again into exactly who the world needs for the last battle. Uh, and we see so much good come from it. Then now, after slogging through book after book after book after book of just bad shit after bad shit after bad shit after bad shit after kind of good thing, then bad shit after, oh no, there goes my hand. They finally pile get, on him, man. Yeah. I mean, and you get really to a point do. where like, when you think back against or, or through all of the shit Rand has been through, I think a fair majority of rational human beings can be like, I can understand why you would turn out that way. Um, yeah. I'm hard to agree. I, I, I love that because this also speaks to, I remember we're going to go with a little bit of a convoluted example, but stick with me here. I'm sticking. I remember being in church as a kid. Okay. And someone once said, you know, who has regrets? You know, what, what do you regret? about your life you don't have to share but who has regrets and you know everybody yeah of course raise their hand i did not you know and I'm, i say when i was a kid i mean like 16 17 sure and uh, old enough to understand yet young enough to be impressionable this guy this guy says to me oh well you you know you haven't raised your hand like you know you have no regrets you've lived a life free of regret i said i look i've done things i'm not proud of I've done things that I recognize as mistakes, but I don't regret any of those things because they've forged me into who I am today. And people who have regrets 
are people who are not happy with who they are. Now, I realize that that sounds horribly pretentious for a 16, 17-year-old kid. And it is, and I was, and I promise you, I did say I'm very it, mature. But I did not understand the full weight of that statement at the time. But it is okay, something now it's that pretentious I've again. carried with me. <laughs> but it's something I've carried with me. And I'm going to fuck myself when I'm agreeing with your initial statement now. Come on, <laughs> man. What do you want? So Rand, many mixed signals. Rand. Mixed messages. All, you know, attacking his father. And seeing that and just that. We all know it was a, an extremely emotionally charged moment in the story. And that's what pushed him to the brink. That's what made him say, I can't do this. Like when they actually and, describe the fear on Tam's face, you're just like, oh, it hurts. I mean, it's because so I mean, bad. growing up, like I had a relatively like strained relationship with my dad. There are plenty of times where I'm like, I'm about to beat this mother. And I was probably going to get beat myself, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, most teenage kids, especially like boys, uh, kind of think feel. that way. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of times. I'm not going to lie. It almost happened, but uh, I'm, I'm glad it never did because I, I never wanted to see the, the fear. Right. Well, at the time I did, but looking back now, I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Well, and of course that's, that's one of the things that's really fascinating about life. And one of the things that I think that uh, Robert Jordan does so well uh, and later Brandon Sanderson also does so well is the capturing of some of life's deepest moments of hindsight is 2020. You can learn so much out of bad situations you were in by re-looking at them with a different lens later on in your life. Because again, when you're losing your hand, it's really hard to see that as a benefit. When you are losing maidens in a battle, it's really hard to see that as a benefit. When you are doing all of these things that you think are the right thing to do, but they just look so bad, in the moment, it's nearly impossible to take a step back and to really look at the situation for what it is. Um, and as Josh said, again, that is incredibly insightful for a 16-year-old of <laughs> the bad things in my life are only bad if I don't learn from them. If as long as I learn a lesson and do better the next time or maybe the time after that, then it isn't actually... I mean, it can still be detrimental, but overall, it actually was probably something that I needed to have happen, something that I needed to learn, something that if I didn't actually make that mistake for myself, no one was actually going to be able to explain it to me. I the needed... fact that you could have that mentality during the Great Depression is impressive. <laughs> 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 Holy shit! <laughs> I love oh, you. Don't boy. hate me. <laughs> uh, it's funny because yeah. you're like 
like not even like barely 10 years older than me. Right. Yeah. But again, I that's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this topic in general is that idea of learning from your mistakes, learning from bad situations, all of that different stuff. And I, I think that, again, it's a lesson that everyone can learn. And if we're being honest, as long as you're not five and listening to this podcast, which would be <laughs> weird, you have already experienced this before. I, I don't think anybody makes it out of their preteen to teenage years without making a plethora of mistakes that some people learn from and some people just get hurt by. And it's really sad when you meet somebody who didn't actually learn anything from the bad decisions that they made when they were younger and are still making those exact same bad decisions later on in life. Uh, but at the same time, you kind of get it because it's hard to go ahead and learn from them. Well, it's it's nearly impossible to learn from them in the moment. And it also even takes some effort to learn from them afterwards. But as long as you do, it was a mistake. We can still admit that. But Bruce if you Lee. learned a lesson from it, it really wasn't that bad. Can you Bruce explain Lee to me why you did said... the thing? Oh, character <laughs> development. Oh, <laughs> Plot development <coughs> builds. Bruce character. Lee once said that a mistake mistakes are always forgivable if one has the courage to admit them. Mm -hmm. And with Rand almost killing his father, we get that catharsis yes. later on. And it's <clears throat> one of the most touching scenes in the story. It is. And Tam is a good man. He is such is a, a good man. man. And he helps yes, a woman deliver a baby on the slopes of dragon. An house. enemy! An enemy! What? Oh, have you asked yourself this yourself. question? What did you do to make yourself my enemy? <laughs> <laughs> there's the there's the quote of the night right there. I love it. <clears throat> but no, it's, it's a good special. Tam, I gotta go and rewatch that. Tam really is one of the greats, uh, maybe even the actual greatest in the Wheel of Time, as far as just people are concerned. I, I'm not necessarily talking about greatest character. Agreed. I'm not talking about, you know, does the greatest things necessarily, but Tam, Tam's a heart is way too big for his fucking body. And Agreed. he is just one of the best people in the story. And that, I think, really, again, is one of the reasons that that Rand turns out okay is because he had an amazing example and when he realizes that he is hurting one of the greatest people in all of Randland he's like fuck yeah. am yeah. I the baddie like god <laughs> damn it <laughs> yeah whew yeah, that is. Oh, do we do we take your your example. second thought? Oh no oh, my yeah. my second my second example, if you will, was actually Egwene. Ooh, uh, Egwene being taken by the Sean Chan. Uh, I think that that again from when you have the outset of that just really awful narrative, it doesn't look good. 
And you kind of know in the back of your mind that Egwene is a strong enough character, both just in the plot armorness and also in the you've learned enough about her that she's she's a strong-willed person and a strong character just in her own right. She may make the, make it out of this alive and may make it out of this okay, but it's extremely traumatizing. It is extremely absolutely. horrifying as far as the absolutely both just the act in general and then of course everything that follows. Uh, but in the end, again, as you read more into the story and as you get further and further and further, from the moment that Egwene forgives, if you will, uh, the people who did it to her. Basically, at the end of that initial Sean Chan story arc, through the Wise One story arc, uh, you really do realize just how much it gave her every tool she needed um, to be the person that she becomes. And again, by book 14, Egwene's one of my favorite fucking characters. Uh, I can't stand her in book one. I, <laughs> I so strongly dislike Egwene. I think that she is there for all of the wrong reasons. I think that she is so naive, so obnoxious, and makes oh, yeah. all of the dumb oh, decisions. Yeah. But by the time you hit book, like, probably not even book 14, by the time you hit, like, book 12, she is, like, the baddest bitch yes. with, like, yes. some of the most knowledge and some of the best story and you're just like what happened <laughs> and of course again it I starts would, with I would say the by book six. happened like <laughs> i would say by book six by book six like Egwene has made uh incredible strides because oh yeah after after the sean chan uh-huh. uh and even a little bit leading up to the sean chan not like so we'll say white tower up until her time with the wise ones she goes from this overconfidence of self and naivety of the world to playing playing fucking Pong, for those of you that know what the game Pong is or was. It's both. Um, where she's on one side of the line where it's like, okay, extreme confidence, that's good right now. And then just like, bam, arrogance. And you're like, that's, that's really bad right now. And then... When she gets to the wise ones is when she gets the big lessons in humility, the big lessons in, hey, yes, there are a lot of really great things about you. You are very strong. You are very powerful. You have a ton of agency. However, the center of the universe is the sun, not a queen. <laughs> the rest of the world doesn't necessarily care if you live or die. You have you to know- be cautious. Um, and it, and it does a lot for it. So yeah, I really like that. That's a good example. That that Thank actually you. brings up an interesting sort of perspective on that, because I would agree. I would agree. Um, Egwene is the mayor's daughter. Like she's a priss. She's stuck up. She's snobby. And when they leave, she's like, uh, I want to go on an adventure. I'm here because I want to be. You I guys want have to. Be. to go. Um, and I've I've held for a long time that Egwene does not need to be Taviran and should not be Taviran. 
That's a different conversation. I agree. <laughs> different conversation. Yes. We've had that conversation. <laughs> and we've had that. But but the the interesting thing is, is that when Egwene starts to realize that it's not about her. So I would say that she has three phases. First phase is Egwene. I want to go on an adventure. I want to go on an adventure. Second phase is it's not about me. I don't know what my purpose in this world is, but it's not about me. And I need to figure out how I fit. And phase three is her recognizing her place in the world as the Amarlin seat. And someone who needs, someone who recognizes that she is a part of something much bigger than herself. And it is when we start to see that transition from selfish mayor's daughter to wow i'm starting to see the world and i have no idea where i fit into this world it's so much bigger than i ever imagined and when she then she transitions into someone who is actively working for the betterment of literally the world that's when we start seeing the Egwene that we all love and if you don't love Egwene by the end of the story, there's the door, right? Well, she does this great <laughs> thing. Uh, and what, and what, you, what you've called out phase three Egwene, she finds a balance of phase one and phase two Egwene. This, you know, a balance of, you know, nothing bad can happen to me. I got this. You know, I'm going to be eyes to die. I can conquer everything. Right. And all the way to this. I know absolutely nothing. I, I don't get any of this. There's so many people that are stronger than me in different ways. I don't deserve, you know, she finds a way to balance that. And that's really cool because, I mean, well, we've talked about two very core themes to the Wheel of Time. Uh, and Jamie and live chat brought it up earlier. And if you want to be a part of the live chat, make sure you check out our Patreon. Uh, link is at blacktowerpod.com. But... <clears throat> So we have the, the overarching theme of balance that kind of goes, or not kind of, that does go through the entire series. But there's also a big theme of getting broken down so you can be built back up. And it happens an overwhelming amount. The IEL get broken down so they can be built back up. It happens to Ran. It happens uh, to Perrin. It happens to Matt. It happens to Egwene. It happens to the White Tower. It happens... To Camelin cloaks, even yeah, to the white cloaks. Yes, no, they don't really get broken down as much as they get self uh, a potential like humanistic savior. Um, the tier uh, gets broken down and built back up, though to a far less dramatic extent, as like the White Tower and, and the others. Um, well, you could say that perceivably the Sean Chan uh, they get a minor version of it. Um, where they get broken down from this idea of like, we have the ever victorious army, we never lose to facing actual defeats. Uh, And perceivably in the future, there's going to be an actual breakdown and rebuild uh, of the Sean Chan. Though, if Avienda's visions are correct, they're still going to be dicks. But, (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's it's a really big theme along with balance. And uh, I think it does a ton to talk about like, how hanging on to what originally made you what you are isn't always the best option that sometimes 
you have to let go of some of these things from your past or that, you know, were core ideals that no longer fit with where you are in life anymore to be able to be something better in the end. And the only way to do that is to not think that your like way of thinking or your mentality or outlook on the world is the only one or is the only correct one that other people can be right about certain aspects of life and the world. Um, or, you know, the breaking is like really bad, like the white tower. Yep. Yep. And that's that, you know, that's one of the things, I mean, that another one of the many, many themes that translate to life from the wheel of time to paraphrase Mr. Miyagi from the karate kid wheel of time, not just for practice for all of life. Wheel of time for all of life. Um, Guys, change is difficult. It's not easy. Sometimes you, 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 you come to a point in your life when you go, this isn't working. I don't know what to do. I'm sad. I'm upset. This isn't working. I, I, I don't know where I fit. I don't know where my place is in this world. And I'm here to tell you right now, nobody does, you know, and that's probably not very comforting. But the comforting part is, is that we have to go through the crap before we can get to the cream, as my dad used to always say. And, you know, there, there, there's a million platitudes for it. It doesn't matter how fast you go. It only matters that you don't stop. If you fall seven times, you stand up eight. And there's a reason why there's so many different ways to say the same damn thing. Never give up. Well, and I, I think that there's again whatever it just, takes. Just a really good lesson in there as well that that I think that you that you were also alluding to and, and that I think is fantastic is not only does no one actually get out of this alive, not only does no one really truly know what they're doing until it's a little too late. Not only, you know, the whatever, but also think, think about that. No one. So stop trying so hard. Don't worry. You're not alone. Nobody knows what they're doing. Now, that doesn't mean don't strive for perfection. That doesn't mean just let yourself wallow in shit because, well, no one knows what they're doing. So I might as well be horrible. But at the same time, take comfort in the fact that you're not alone. Take comfort in the fact that fucking nobody knows what they're doing. Th this is all an adventure that we're all on kind of fucking together. And <laughs> like doing the best you absolutely can doesn't mean that you're not going to fail. But doing the best that you can is exactly what makes you not fail. If that makes sense. Like you'll, you'll never figure platitude. out hundred percent. You'll never figure it out hundred percent, but you can. And there are people that have figured it out to 60%, 75%, probably some shit up to 90%. Uh, you know, that's being super optimistic and everything. I mean, the, the pursuit of, <clears throat> of a finite, of a perfection of reality, a perfection of ideals is what has driven uh, both philosophical and uh, scientific uh, and with scientific mathematical thought for all of human history. It's this 
per, this pursuing of there is a finite reality. And if we can't find the finite reality, then we just haven't advanced enough to, to find it. So, uh, you know, there's the, the theory amongst uh, physics where everything in the universe can be explained by physics. And whenever something doesn't fit the current definition of physics, then it just means that our previously thought complete definition of physics is actually incomplete. And uh, you need to look no further than uh, someone like Galileo, you know, thought to be uh, an insane thought to be uh, an agent of Satan during uh, the times of the Holy Roman empire and these kind of things where he's like, you know, actually the earth isn't the center of the universe. It's the sun. And I did this with math. Uh, and later on, you know, it's, it's proven right. So math, you, you never know. Do you study and it? Just remember that a vast majority of the people that have existed in human history have been proven that they either were wrong or didn't have the full picture at some point. So uh, don't be afraid to be wrong. Why did this all turn into like a motivational TED talk? <laughs> because it was it kind fits. of the way that this uh, this because was always good. Go. <laughs> when you walk into something that sucks and you know it sucks and you don't want to do it. No, embrace that some the of suck. our greatest embrace the heroes suck. also went through the shit before shining out brighter on the other side. Shine bright. Even, like even MacArthur got his pants wet and was defeated. But well, Which, I mean, even he went a little Picard, batshit crazy later on in life, but never, you know, we're not going to talk mean, about that. I'm going to get nerdy and I'm going to quote Picard and I'm going to, it is possible to commit no errors and still fail. That is not fail. Or is is possible to commit no errors and not succeed? That is not failure. That is called being human. Oh, what is that it, from one of the newer Star Trek movies, the the Kyber Row maneuver or uh, exercise, where the only way that no, 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 okay, no, that stop, one. no, not from the newer. It's not a newer movie. Oh, uh, that's the only one I know because I didn't watch the uh, older movies or I don't remember them. Oh, you the get Kobayashi the Maru. Yes. The Kobayashi Maru. Oh, from the newer Star Trek movies. That's the only place I know it from. My apologies. <laughs> you have fucking Trekkie. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with Trekkies. <laughs> Enjoy your stuff. So you're I'm lucky saying, that I even that oh, I even remember uh, that I even remember oh. Captain Kirk. All right. Okay, we're good. Have you recovered? You're gonna be okay. Josh. I promise fine. you're gonna be we're okay. All fine here now. Okay, how early does that come from? Because I, I don't know when it's first mentioned, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's mentioned in like the first the originals you know what i'm gonna google it's it the right original now. series it's i don't the original TV it was series. the original the the very first movie or whether it was in an actual season <clears throat> I, I i recall it being in one of the movies that's what i thought yeah one of yeah, the yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> wrath of khan there is it, it is okay wrath of khan which that's is first two? time yes that's the second. I mean, movie. isn't one? Isn't the new movie just like a redux of Wrath the... of Khan? Basically, yes, yes, it is. Which means, and, and like we're going to bring them all back to, to like credit, a similar story with just older people. To your credit, 
the first time we actually see yeah, the Kobayashi true. Maru played out is in the reboot of the movies. The original one, correct. the original one, they talk about Kirk cheating at the Kobayashi Maru. Yes. Oh, well, at least we finally got to see it. You know, it's yes. just like how they talk about how Luz there and talked with the other Aes Sedai about being in the Dark One's prison. <laughs> and they said, no, that's fucking stupid. And he's like, well, I'm going to do it anyway because duty. But then everybody got <laughs> fucked. Is duty not in a good way? Is duty heavier than a mountain? Because I feel <laughs> like duty is heavier than a mountain. Uh, it's apparently also lighter than a feather. No, that's death. Yeah, death is your duty of life. Which is my bullshit excuse for misremembering the quote. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. All right. Uh, do either of you have any other examples that you want to pop in here at the end since I got two and I definitely don't want either of you to not get a second opportunity? Uh, though I I'd like also to go for round two. You into one either. Excellent. I, I might have an idea for a, a the negative and we might need to flesh out the positive of it. So, I like where this is going. Okay, and we're ending it off with a theory. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> I mean, it's not a, it's not a theory. Um, kind of. It could be. Rand losing his hand. His left hand, uh, if I remember the artwork, was it his right? Wow, it yeah, is. that sucks. That that's my me time. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> well, just imagine hand. how weird it feels if you don't have your right hand anymore and you have to switch to your left. I don't know if I have that much hand-eye coordination on the left side. And by well, you that, don't switch I mean, hip? huh? You don't switch hip? No, I'm I'm pretty faithful. Also, if we're being completely honest, <laughs> I, <laughs> what Rand if you lose losing, your hand, Andrew? Rand you losing his hand at that get point a fake in the one. series really probably doesn't matter that much because he has three other hands that Ew. are more than happy to go ahead and uh, <laughs> three other sets of hands. That's fair. Three other sets of hands. Sure. But trying to protect one of those sets of hands, he <laughs> so loses he's got, a hand. So All right. He's got seven total hands. He's <laughs> see if he hadn't lost that <laughs> hand, he could have been a fucking spider. Come on, man. Spider you were, Rand. You were this spider close to being Rand a spider. Does whatever think, a spider can. I think losing his hand serves as one thing and one thing only. And that is to teach him very late in the game that he's not unbreakable. Yeah. I think that's I think it's part of when his invisibility cloak failed and he cursed Dumbledore. I I think it's part of what leaves leads him to the epiphany at Dragon Mount. I think it's just one thing. I think it's you know, when you talk about the straw that broke the camel's back, let's be honest that camel was already pretty weighed down. And then when he thought he was going to kill Tam, he didn't put a straw on it. He put another bale on that camel's back. And that was it. That was done. But that camel was already weighed down and losing the hand, losing the hand was one thing, but I think the context in which he lost the hand is what is the greater stressor there. So can I actually just say that I don't think he actually learns that lesson at that time? I no. think that he actually learns that lesson way earlier when he gets stabbed multiple times in the oh. same place in the side. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's okay. a good way to identify a weak spot in your defenses. Get stabbed? 
Twice. Yeah. One, one, one was a stab. The second one was a slice. slice. Yeah. So he got he got better from the stab, and then he got better from the slice. Uh, and then, you know, just in a surprise attack, you know, he Jesus. lost the ability to count the 20 on I, his fingers and toes. I still absolutely love. Can I can I just say one more time? I know that we've talked about it before, but can I just say I absolutely love that four sort of more, but like four very legitimate human beings like get connected to Rand in such a way where they understand his body to like a very deep level and all of them go holy shit how do you live with this in your side right every single one of them does that and he goes you get used to it and you're like I'm sorry what And of course, again, oh, like Nynaeve shit. also says the same thing when she goes to try and heal him a couple of times. And like fucking the yellow sister who tries to heal him at some point is also like, are you fucking kidding me right now? It's just a hole. I keep <laughs> pouring it in and it never fills up. <laughs> are you shitting my dick right now? <laughs> oh, sounds painful. oh, man. It does sound painful. That's a good one. Men, men is reassured that he does legitimately fully care for him, Um, and I think it also shows the reader that as as hard as Rand is trying to be without Cialis or Viagra, that he is still (laughs) very much has some soft places. Hey, (laughs) oh, and I have some hard spots too. That came out wrong, or did it? Oh, oh god man. well hey you know what guys thank you so much for being here legitimately thank Agreed. you we appreciate you guys being here we appreciate you listening tuning in um if we missed any moments that start off bad but end out good we missed thousands of moments but if the- we missed your favorite one <laughs> That's the uh, that's the hook. We're going to get them to leave comments down below so that we can become more famous and more rich. <laughs> oh, sorry. I said get more there. bargaining power with hey! Amazon so they pay us more for being shills. That's right. Wait, what? Or really just give us more interviews with people. That's all. We don't hey, give I a mean, fuck about shills and shit. Just it's true. We'd love we just want to hang out with people. Wheel of Time wanna, people. We just want to hang out with Wheel of Time people. I just want to talk about Wheel of Time with the people that are getting to live Wheel of Time. time. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in. You guys are awesome. We hope that you are just a little bit more mad than you were when you started this episode. We hope the taint has saturated your innards and given you a new perspective on life itself from all of us here at the Black Tower. Well, wait. You've got to go some places. Remember to go to blacktowerpod.com. Uh, remember to support us at Patreon because all of it really goes back to you. We don't pocket any of it. It does. Um, and then the more people that pay into the Patreon, the more cool things we can do. Remember, we're going to be at JordanCon in April and we're going to be at WattCon in June. 
July. 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 What's in June? We rehearsed this. July 8th we through did. the 10th for WatCon. July 8th through the 10th for WatCon. There will be Black Tower Mahales at both events. And the Black Tower Mahales will be carrying swag. All the events. Yeah, you kind of blew out your mic on the first part of that. Oh, at both events. Sorry. <laughs> so, do Sorry not burst your theatrical miss bubble. it. Don't miss either one of those events. And then after you got to blacktowerpod.com and after you've gone to JordanCon and hung out with us and after you've gone to WatCon and hung out with us and after you've gone to crystalbarista.com and facebook.com slash rockpick and grapelight.com, you'll be a happy person. Guaranteed. And go and get yourself some Dubby Energy Supplement. Dubby Energy. 10% off discount code of BTP or the link is down below in the show description. Hey, you never know. It might get you those couple extra hour or two of performance at Jordan Con or WatCon to fully enjoy the full experience. I will so actually be so you don't blow your full dubby. load within ten, the first you know six hours. I will actually be bringing my dubby to Jordan Con because last time I was so damn tired it was not even funny. That <laughs> was adorable. Probably have to hopefully get another another tub, another little tube, another tub of the dub. Yes, you're such a dub of the dub. Thanks, thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being awesome. Thanks for listening. You guys are awesome. We love you. And uh hope you have a good night. And from everybody here, I'm Josh. He is Josh. I am Andrew. Josh, Josh, it looks like you're trying to finger your logo. Please don't ever do that again. <laughs> and from all of us here at the Black Tower. Thank you again for coming down. We had a lovely time with all of you. So we hope that you had a lovely time with us. Definitely hope to see you again next week and for all the weeks to come. And in case we don't see you again today, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.